You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. Thank you, Brother Lenin. Lenin, he said his dad named him Lenin. He was, his dad was a communist guy and, and uh, was all about communism. And then at some point... Um, the light of the world snuck in there and, and broke through that, and now your father's a Christian, correct? And you as well? I wanted him to give a little testimony, if we could just take a few minutes and, and him just give a little testimony about the work that he's doing there in Nicaragua, and then, um, and then we'll continue on with the service. Just why don't you go ahead and do that while we're here, and then, and then we'll go from Yes. Well, um... Uh, Back in uh, the year 2000 was actually uh, the time where, uh, where I finally got to know the Lord. Um, as Pastor Dell was saying, uh, both mom and dad uh, during the 70s and 80s back in my country, um, uh, they participated in uh, all of this thing about you know, the revolution that was going on in, in, in Nicaragua. So uh, they basically took all of these uh, communism teachings about you know, and the, the, I would say that the worst part of that would be that, uh, you know, uh, they tell you God is not real. So whenever uh, we were very little, I remember, I never forget that uh, uh, my mom, I asked my mom about that because a cousin of mine told me, uh, you need to seek God. But I I had no idea what he was talking about. And then I uh, I asked my, my mom, and then he uh she uh, she told me God was not real, so I grew up like that. And uh, but uh, the one thing I can tell you is that very deep in my heart, I knew there was something else besides mankind. I understood just by looking around, being a very little boy. I look around and I saw the creation, and just the Bible says that you just need to look at the creation, and then you will understand there is a creator. Amen. So uh, that's basically what happened. So I think God was working in, in myself, but it was until the year 2000 when I met my wife and that she started, she started talking to me about the Lord. And uh, we, uh, we finally uh, uh, took part in a youth group. Nothing happened there. I was just, you know, uh, getting used to uh, being uh, uh, sharing with, with some guys. But I went to this uh, uh, revival and that's when I heard God's voice. That's when I heard the preaching of the word. And I understood God was real because he, just like the Apostle Paul says, he, uh, he puts our lives just like if we, if we were before a mirror. And then you can see yourself. There's nothing else to hide. You will see who you are. So that's exactly what God did to me that very night. So, so I received the Lord, and the Lord set me free from, uh, from that void that every single person in this world has. No matter what you say, we all have that. We all have that void whenever God is not there. So, uh, so we get married, uh, and uh, we had three kids. And uh, I remember the first time I came over here to the U.S., God gave me the chance, and a friend of mine uh, gave me a guitar. So when I had the guitar, I told, I told my friend, I'm going to use this guitar for God's service. So, uh, so I started to do, to do that, and then um, my kids were like, what, 8, uh, 10, and 11 years old. 
And I told my wife, you know, it will be awesome if one day my kids will be playing with me. That was just a thought. But then I, uh, we were pushed to have them, you know, take music classes. And uh, so they did for some time. And, uh, but for some reason, it, it didn't work well. And then, <laughs> and then uh, it, it, was, it was like over a year when that happened. And then uh, I asked my kids, hey, you know, I'm tired. You guys don't learn anything. I mean, uh, just show me how to play a song. And they were like, so, and, I'm, and I said to them, you know what? Um, I, will, I will just, you know, I will just ask you this. Do you want to continue or not? And they were like, no. <laughs> And my wife was like, well, you will keep going. <laughs> so uh, so I, was, I looked at her and then, okay, anyways. So we understood that sometimes we need to be pushed to do some things. We need to be pushed. There's a testimony of, a, uh, of this guy. He's a Christian singer, very, very famous. And uh, in his testimony, he says, in my home, we, didn't, we did not live by grace. We lived under the law because my mom said, you are taking music classes. <laughs> and uh, he, he's done such great things, you know, through his songs and everything, praising the Lord. Anyways, um, so when we, were, when we uh, uh, started learning and then we started uh, playing together, we, we had the band. And then at my church, I remember... We, we uh, got provided uh, instruments for us. And I remember uh, my pastor was saying uh, over and over again, every now and then, saying, you know, from this church, uh, pastors will come out and, 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 and evangelists will come out, musicians will come out. And I'm like, okay, okay, when is that going to happen? And, that's, and after some time of, of hearing him saying that, I was like, wait a second. They will not come out just like that. Somebody has to do something, you know, because, I mean, we are called to do something. We are called to serve. And then I understood through the books of Acts that the church, uh, taking the example of Jesus, Jesus was always providing for the people. He was, always, he was trying to provide for every single need. So I looked at the kids that we had there at the church, and I, and I told, took my, to my wife, and I told her, you know what, why don't we do it? We have the instruments. We don't know much about music, but the little that we know, I want to share it with them. And I talked to my kids. They were very little. And I told them, hey, you guys are going to teach now. <laughs> and they were like, what? What are we going to do? So anyways, we had, we had uh, like, uh, uh, to start over, we, we had uh, uh, four kids. At that, at that moment, it was back in early 2018. And then uh, now in 2021, uh, the Lord has given us 16 kids. Now, when we started with four kids, um, you know, uh, those kids had to walk about two miles to make it to our house. And then uh, I, uh, I told my wife, the very first day we had classes, why don't we provide them lunch they will go back home you know hungry and all that way you know and everything so but after the first day it was like we have to do this let me tell you this it's not like we had the resources to do that we just didn't have them but our heart was so eager to serve these kids and uh, I remember you know me going around the church and talking to the parents like crazy trying to let the parents know that these kids needed an opportunity 
and uh, some of them did not understand. I would say most of them did not understand. Now they understand <laughs> what, we are, what we are trying to do. But everything started just with music. But at some point I was like, I, I told my wife, hey, we should teach the Word of God. This is our chance for us, you know, to teach God's Word. So we, we set up a devotional before the music classes. And that's how everything started. That's how the ministry started. It just started like, let's do uh, music classes. But now, what uh, our our main uh, our main goal is to be able to help this kid to become worshippers of God and most of all, servants of the Lord. So that's how we have been, you know, uh, uh, working with them. So here in this picture. This is the kids that we have. This is the this is the son of a pastor there, and uh, so uh, some quite a few of them. That's my son Bruce. That's my oldest one. He's uh, he does the guitar. He's we have so on Saturdays we meet on Saturdays at 9 a.m. We we start the classes. That's Bruce uh, doing the uh, devotional. So we share God's word. We ask questions. We have them participate, and then we have. Uh, yeah, those are that. That's that's at our place. That's at our home. We have a farm, so uh, and uh, so all of these kids, all of these kids. There's only there's only two of those kids who actually have uh, a piano because it's it's very expensive, you know. To and that's not a priority for a father or a mother. It's not a priority to be saving money, you know, to buy an instrument. It's not. Because according to you know Nicaragua's situation, you know, uh, I think you understand that with COVID, you you guys went through a bad situation. But now everything seems to be normal here, but not in our country. We depend basically on uh, the foreign investment, you know, in tourism and uh, construction and things like that. But uh, right now, since COVID started, uh, the government basically uh, put a lot of restrictions in the airlines, so we don't have. Uh, mission teams coming in. We don't have uh, uh, medical teams coming in. We don't have uh, uh, construction teams coming into the country. So it's like a big percent, big percentage of the people that used to work in the, in those uh, areas, they don't have work. So that's why I'm saying, you know, uh, the parents. That's not our priority. But uh, we have believed in the Lord, and we have been providing, you know. Uh, these kids the opportunity to be able to to learn now in this picture so we do that in, from 9 a.m. to 12 but in in the afternoon we have another ministry from the church that it's called Royal Rangers so Bruce is there teaching the kids I, I teach those kids as well and uh, so it, it's basically a, a complete a complete ministry and uh, and uh, we have been able to uh, to minister the little kids in several issues. You understand that whenever a kid is going into the teenage, you know, uh, uh, age, um, uh, a lot of things happen. Uh, distractions happen. So we have been able to to help these kids. We have been able to help the parents to manage all of these situations. It is tough. And uh, just to give you an idea. You see quite a few girls in uh, in the classes in my con in the area where I live. It's it's very common that girls from 12, 13, 14 years old 
if they like a guy, the guy will just take him to their home, you know, and that's it. They start living together, which is horrible. So we have been able to help all of these kids, you know, and uh, we have been able to have them there. My wife and I have worked, and my kids have worked uh, with the children, with the youth at our church, and now that we are uh, doing our ministry here. Let me, uh, let me give you an example about what I was telling you. Uh, uh, you know, in my case, I'm an interpreter in Nicaragua. So I work with uh, mission teams, uh, not very often with, with in tourism, but, uh, but since I don't have, uh, since we don't have people coming in, we have been out of work for like two years almost. And uh, there have been times where Saturday comes and we don't have food for the kids, but the Lord has provided. And let me just give you this story. One day, I remember, um, we didn't have anything. My, uh, my niece, who is living with us, um, asked my wife, what are, we going, what are you going to give to the kids for lunch? And she said, don't worry, God will provide. I mean, I'm talking about it Saturday. We already have the kids there. They are already taking the classes. Then this kid showed up. Uh, this kid, ha- um, his mom is living here in the U.S. She lives in Georgia. And, uh, and he asked my wife, what are we going to have for lunch? Because that was the first question he would ask <laughs> every time he would come in. And my wife was like, uh, you know what? I have not made up my mind yet. And then he was like, you know, my mom sent me some money. And this time I would love for every one of us to be able to enjoy beef. But good beef. You know, beef is right now very expensive in Nicaragua. My wife was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, man, here's the money. So she, he, he just uh, passed the money to my wife. And we were like, let's go. <laughs> so we went very quickly to the store. And, and then my wife was cooking. And my niece showed up and like, what in the world is this? Where did you get this? And my wife told her, I told you that God was going to provide. So that's just one of many stories that we have about this ministry. So uh, this, uh, this kid right here, he's a neighbor. His parents are non-believers. And in one of those classes, he received the Lord way, way before I came here. So I'm telling you, we are reaching a new generation. We have to invest time in our little kids, in the young teenagers. That's where we have to invest because the devil is, is trying to destroy. He's, 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 he's doing his best to destroy families, to destroy the kids and, 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 and everything. Right now, uh, we, have a, uh, we have a great need. If you can see, you know, that's my son, Stephen. He's 17 and he, he's the teacher, uh, the keyboard teacher. So if you see uh, those poles, it's, it's just like a very rusty construction. I was sharing with uh, Pastor Dell. He was asking me, what kind of a need do you, ha- you guys have? Well, we'd love to, we, we're, we have a project that we've had it for years um, uh, about a, uh, a construction that he, he, he basically knows what kind of construction. It's an open area where we can hold a lot of kids and uh, we can actually use it for People who sometimes want to just meet, churches want to meet there, you know, have a, have a place where they can have an open area, you know, in the country so they can uh, 
uh, have you know uh, a time separate, you know, uh, with the Holy Spirit and everything. So we have been doing that, and uh, we're just so uh, so grateful. We have believed in the Lord, lacking of resources, you know. But we uh, every time I see those faces, you know. It's just an encouragement for me and my wife. There were times where we were about to say we're giving up. One day, I remember I told my wife, you know what? I think we should cut off the launch. I mean, we cannot do this anymore. But at the same time, it was, I mean, we were like, but wait a second. We have believed in the Lord. I mean, our, our, those, those, this, uh, these 21 years of being, you know, together and, and that I received the Lord, it's been like uh, uh, trial and trial and, and, and the Lord, you know, testing us. But that's how it is. <laughs> because he wants us to go to the next level every time. And uh, I'm just very blessed, you know, that, to, uh, that God has given us the privilege to serve all of these kids. So... I appreciate you guys, you know, having me here. I appreciate Pastor Dale, you know, the opportunity. So thank you so much. My, uh, I would appreciate your prayers, you know, for for these kids, for this ministry, because we have been attacked very badly uh, by the devil. But uh, just recently, being here, the Lord uh, confirmed our ministry. You know, he he gave me words from different people telling me that he is finding the battle for us. So thank you so much. God bless you. Down the street one day. And I was like, hey man, what are you doing this Sunday? And, uh, no, I, I've been working with him this week. Is this off? Oh, yeah, kids. Fuera. Fuera. Five and under. If you're older than five, you need to sit in here and hear the word. If you're under five, you need to go out there and hear the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I've had a, and, you know, uh, we've been talking about this, about the taking dominion thing. And as far as, as a worker, and, and so he's a friend of Kevin Hembry. If you don't know Kevin, he's a good guy to know. He's, he's connected. He's like the Crossville Mafia, old Kevin is. So you need to know Kevin. But then in knowing Kevin, Kevin brings uh, Lenin over, and he says, man, I need some work for this guy um, so he can raise some money. He's, he's here to work for a couple of months, you know, whatever, um, to raise some money. And just so happens I started the worst house ever, and then he's just... But he's demonstrated to me in the Christian aspect of taking dominion, of doing whatever you do, whatever you do, as unto the Lord. So he can, um, so we've been tearing out sheetrock and tearing out insulation and tearing off roofing, and the guy's always got a smile on his face. What do you, what, what do you want me to do? I want you to do this. Okay, I can do it. I don't know what's your word that you always say. You always say, let's go or whatever. I can do it. And, uh, and he does it with a smile on his face. Man, what a, what a witness to us. And then the ministry in hearing God, so faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So he hears God's word. Some guy preaches and says, what we need is we need evangelists. We need ministers of gospel. We need pastors. We need teachers. We need musicians. 
and I can go back to I thought start about changing direction this morning, but I think we're just going to go with the days of Noah. But um, if I went back to Chronicles, to Kings, to King David, all the way back to Jericho, when things are, are, are about to get real, we're fixing to go into battle, we're fixing to have this real strategic event, the first thing that these old-timers do is they call the musicians forward, Jed, and they get the trumpeters out. We got any trumpeters? We need some trumpeters in here. We, get, we, we, came, we got one shofar, nobody can play it. I mean, well, they get the trumpeters out there, right? And they start praising God. They praise God for the victory that's to come. And if someone doesn't do what he did, what Lenin did, of going before, so, so every week, week after week here, we call you and ask, you know, go minister this week. Go, who are you going to minister to this week? And then we sit there in our chair and we're like, not me. But Lenin in his spirit said, man, somebody needs to do that. And he did it because there is a need for music in ministry. We had a nice time this morning in, in praising God together, hearing the word. You got a little uh, South American savor there this morning. It's just, it's a little more, we can, we can rowdy it up. It's okay. Rowdy it up. It's before the Lord. It's okay. We're praising him. We're not looking at Jed as a singer or Aubrey as a singer and evaluating their singing skills or our own as we stand here and sing. We're not singing to Jed. We're not singing to Aubrey. We're not singing with Aubrey. We're singing as unto the Lord. When we work, we work as unto the Lord, as Lenin did. He works as unto the Lord. So I want to give us the opportunity. If you would like to support him in his ministry, make sure you talk to him. And, uh, and if our church wants to support him in our ministry, this brings me to point number one, that this is, now it comes, the, this is the business meeting before the business meeting. Business meetings in two weeks. The business meeting for today is, we got a business meeting in two weeks. Okay, so I got to announce that. And in that, <laughs> in that, we need to know where you're at as far as um, if you're wanting to add something to the budget. We want to go to Nicaragua. We had the opportunity to go to Nicaragua this year. Someone came down with COVID, messed it all up. And so we didn't get to go. And so we don't, yeah, amen. So we just, this, it just happens. But now we have another contact in Nicaragua. The work that you're doing, uh, Lenin, sounds like it's a good work and a profitable work. You're leading people to Christ. Our goal, our mission here is to make disciples. Our, our mission here is to reach the nations, our, where it's to go on missions, is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, is to go plant churches. All of that is what we do. The reason we don't take a salary is so that we have more money to go make disciples, to go do missions, to go build churches. Jed's going Monday. Jed and Aubrey are going to Calexico, California. Then they're going to go into Mexicali. If you'll be in prayer for them this week, and they're going down there to look at a church that we could potentially work on there and also a uh, something else down there. And then also another church there in Calexico, Oscar Felix's church there in, in um, Calexico. So it would be an opportunity for us to go and plant churches and make disciples and seek and find the lost and, and lead them to Christ and all those things. It takes somebody speaking the word to someone else for them to hear the gospel and for them to react and to, them to respond. They cannot respond without a preacher. Somebody's got to give them the word. Some do come through dreams and visions. There are few. He called us to be pastors and ministers of the gospel. Next week we're going to do uh, shoe boxes. We're going to pack them. We're going to build the boxes before uh, at the end of the service and then we're going to fill the shoe boxes. And uh, was deacons meeting today. We are doing deacons meeting today. We're going to do communion next Sunday. It's it's great that it fell through. However it fell through, it fell through this Sunday. We're supposed to do it this Sunday. We're not going to do it this Sunday because God's working how he works. 
it's better for next Sunday. And a person that was really wanting to come to communion will be able to come next Sunday. They were unable to come this Sunday. And then plus the time. And then last, uh, Bob Coy is starting a men's small group. If you're interested in that, it'd be particularly good for you if you're a new young believer. Uh, I'm not sure what book he's going through. I think Romans, but I could be wrong. Uh, you never know what Bob's going to do. But Bob is a funny guy. He's an interesting guy, but he's pretty much housebound. So you need to go there to be with Bob. Bob's not coming here. You've got to go there. So you go to his house, and uh, Jan is a cook. And so she makes cookies, which makes it better. And you can listen to Bob longer if you eat cookies. And so you go there, and you eat the cookies, and you listen to the word, and you grow spiritually. And you come back, and you share it with someone else. You don't just keep it for yourself, okay? So I think that's the word of the day. I think I'm going to have a word of prayer before we begin. And kind of let's reorient our minds as we get ready to break into the word of God. Father, this morning we are super grateful for this opportunity we have to be together in this place, Lord, to be as a body of believers, to hear your word together, to hear such a fine testimony of the work of a, a man of God that's working in another country whose heart is, is in the right place. His heart is to serve you fully, and his love for you is with his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He's using his heart, his soul, and his mind, and his strength to do your will, Lord, and we're grateful for that, Lord. I pray blessings on Lenin there and his wife as they're in their ministry, his family. Lord, I pray now for the word as we, as we open the word. I pray that your word, as you say, will not return void, that the people's hearts would be soft. They would hear the word, and it would sink down in them. And like the Ethiopian eunuch, they would go away glad. Lord, I pray for the ministry of this church, Lord, that it would go beyond the walls of this fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in two spots. So you've got to split your hand in half like this and put one in Matthew and one in Genesis, because we're going to be in both, okay? We're going to be in Matthew around 24, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6. And we really need to get moving on Genesis here. It's uh, Christmas is coming, and we're still, we hadn't even made it through the flood yet. And so we need to get going on the flood, but just when that was happening, just when that was coming, the waves were building, the tsunami wave was building so we could get to the flood. Man, I, God really spoke to me this week. Actually, last week, late, Jed was, something Jed said, and I wrote it down in my notebook, but I didn't bring it. But it was good, Jed. Whatever it was you said, it really prompted my mind to think, that uh, I really need to go a different direction than I was thinking. No, it was a good word. Somebody else was bragging on your word last week, just how, how it was timely. A part of it was timely. And this thing, it just struck in my mind that we need to focus on why the flood. We, we, we can work out the, the different issues of the flood or the things about the ark or the animals and all that stuff. We can talk about those things. We're going to talk about them next week. For this week, I want to show you something that is it's, it's sad but it's just what it is, and that we exist in a very similar age, just as in the days of Noah. My two scriptures here, Genesis 6, 5 says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. And in Matthew 24, 37 through 39, it says, But just as the days of Noah, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days of the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. So as we keep working our way through that, we've got to remember that everything in the Old Testament relates to the New Testament and vice versa. The Old Testament is the Word. The New Testament is the commentary. The New Testament amplifies the Old Testament. God has not changed from day one of creation till day of whatever million years from now in eternity will not change he's immutable he does not change he's in charge of both ends you'll see the same miracles in the old testament as you will in the new testament from raising from the dead to healing 
to speaking in tongues, to every other thing. You'll see it in the Old Testament, prophesying, preaching, teaching. You'll see it all in the Old Testament. You'll see it in the New Testament. God doesn't change. It's the same. So we need to use both to figure out what God's trying to tell us so that we don't have to make the mistakes that they made in the Old Testament or the New and that we can keep our eyes and our focus on the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So Jesus himself says, just as in the days of Noah, they'll be eating, they'll be drinking, they'll be marrying, giving in marriage. And it's going to be the same way when the Son of Man comes. And when I'm reading that in Matthew, I realize this was just kind of this thing, whatever Jed said that really triggered this thought. Um, I realize that not every person on earth, when we read that in Genesis, we're going to read it, Genesis 6, 1 through 8, we're going to read that in a minute. But not every single person on the earth was an axe murderer. Not every single person on the earth was an adulterer or a, a whatever deviant thing that people do. Not every person on earth was just terrible. What they, in fact, other people probably looked at him and said, oh, he's a pretty good guy. As far as people are, he's a good people. But as far as God was concerned, they were all wicked continuously. That's the difference. There's a big difference there. What people say is good is only good if God says it's good. It's kind of what my, my little uh, devotional is about this week, if you want to get that on your way out the door there. But the, it's a majority of the people in Noah's day, in the day of Christ, and today, a majority of the people are just living their lives for themselves. They're not wicked as we measure wickedness. You don't have to be a, a wary to walk near them, to get close to them. You don't have to worry about them harming you. They're just not living as God's people. They're not living as kingdom people. They weren't doing wrong as men measure wrong. They just weren't doing right as God measures right. It says every intention of men's heart was only evil continuously. So every heart's intention of the men and women of the day was oriented to what direction? What direction we discovered is away from God. It's east. They came out and had to go to the east of Eden. They always had to go east, 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 east. And God brings them back. The door of the temple, the door of the tabernacle is oriented towards the east. So that when it's open, people are coming back to God. East is away from God. So we, all these people's hearts were oriented to the east. And a lot of people would say that it was unfair to these poor little children to be destroyed in the flood as well as the adults. Why, well, the children are innocent, right? But the problem is what God knows that we do not in his good and sovereign will. He recognized that these children will never, ever, never repent because their hearts are oriented to the east, because their parents' hearts are oriented to the east, and they're only going further and further away from God. It's exactly what Lenin said about the, the state of communism, the state of socialism, those who might be somewhat interested in that. All it does is orient people's hearts away from God. There is no God. If you want a God in China, they say worship uh, Xing, Jinping, whatever that Jew's name, whatever, what's the name, Chao Xing something, X-I, whatever that spells, that guy. He's the God. Worship him. They did the same thing in communist Russia. There is no God. They did the same thing in South America, apparently. There is no God. And what it does is it leaves people lost and clamoring. So you have alcoholism get real high. You got out-of-marriage out of uh, uh, births just go through the roof. You have abortions go through the roof. You have crime go through the roof. The only people with guns anywhere south of Texas is either the cops who are corrupt or the dadgum criminals. But good people don't have guns. They can't defend themselves. They're at the mercy of corruption and wickedness. So there's no possibility ever for these children. They would be much better to die 
before some kind of age of accountability where they could actually be in heaven for eternity rather than to die and dead in their trespasses and sin. It would be much better for them to be taken. The culture was completely corrupted. It says that the bloodlines were corrupted. Let's go ahead and read the scripture, and then we can look at all these things. Genesis chapter 6. Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had ever made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and the birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I have ever made, I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Hmm. The starting point is, the, the starting point is, is that God's heart is not going to strive with men forever. Men began to multiply upon the face of the earth and was born to them. The sons of God saw the daughters of men. They were beautiful. What happened? Well, depending on on how you study and where you study, I would say the most reasonable thing here, the sons of God, everywhere else in the Bible, we see the sons of God is speaking of angels. Excuse me. Somehow the angels came down and it says that they saw the women and they took the women. Getting way ahead of myself. Let me, let me, let me back up. Let me back up. It was God's will that everything be destroyed because of the wickedness of what was going on in this age. And whatever was saved was only what was going to be saved on the ark and whatever the seed was in the ground. Everything else was destroyed. And the the thing is, is that the people of that time, like the people in Moses' day, like the people in Sodom and Gomorrah, like the people in Jesus' day and the people of today. They could see that it was all wickedness around them, but they chose not to go to the ark. They had a choice. You build something as big as the ark, people are going to know it's there. You're going to hear about it. People all over the United States and other countries talk about the ark that's in Kentucky. It's unusual, it's ridiculous, and it's there. People are going to talk about it, right? This huge structure, and it's there cross of christ the same thing so they knew it was there they just chose to reject the salvation that it was provided so there was something that had to be the last straw and as i kind of got ahead of myself there with the angels but there was something that was the last straw that god would not put up with and that was this angels coming down and getting with the the women there so there's been other times similar to the days of noah and i we can't use every example but we're just going to use three today the day of Messiah and the day of, the, of, of Noah. But in between we have the day of Sodom. It says that Sodom was like the Garden of Eden, a well-watered plain and so on, completely destroyed. And then, uh, and then the Exodus is another very similar picture. And in Matthew, from Matthew 24 all the way through Matthew 25, Jesus gives these, these number of parables there. And all of them point out that there is a time of the ark door being opened and there's a time when it's closed. There's a time for accessing Christ and a time for closing it. 
And this here, what we're going to see of these people in Noah's day, we think many people, especially those that are against God, would say they were atheists or whatever. They're like, how could a cruel God destroy everything on the earth? The reality is that every single person had the opportunity to enter the ark. Every single person, just like in the days of Nineveh, had the opportunity to repent. But they can choose to, or they can choose not to. And when a majority, in fact a vast majority, down to eight people, decide that they have no longer use for God, then God has no longer use for them. It's not that God is unjust, it's that he is just. It's that he is righteous, and that his judgment is righteous. So as the days of Noah, they knew tremendous things were happening. Um, and in the days of, of the cross, they knew tremendous things were happening. Jesus was known everywhere he went. People came by the flocks to see him. But there came a moment when no longer was the door open for the Jews to uh, gain Messiah. I'm not saying they can't gain Messiah today. It's very difficult because there, there's something like scales over their eyes. Very difficult. But there was an easy time, the days before the ark, the days before the flood was an easy time. Then there's a hard time, the day after the flood began. There was an easy time, the day as Jesus walks the earth for 33 years, ministering however he ministers. And then there's a hard time, the day after the cross. And we need to see the same thing. At least go and see what the man's doing. In Genesis 6, 1 to 8, we just read it. We see these things, that there's these angels that been come down and get outside of their proper position. So that the men began to multiply. Sons of God saw the daughters of men. And this is referenced again in Jude. It says, the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah, having given themselves over to sexual immorality, gone after strange flesh, strange flesh is the word there, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. <coughs> Sorry. And that sheetrock dust was eating me. It's a combination of sheetrock, insulation, and cold weather, I guess. But um, forgive my coughing there. It's most likely not COVID. Most likely. <laughs> that is my hope. That is my hope. Uh, so interacting with the angelic realm, this is, this is the big issue. This is the last straw that God will put up with. So there's a number of things going on there, but, but let's just see it like this. Uh, uh, God creates a realm for man. Where's, what's, what's man's realm? Earth. Not just earth, but land earth, dirt earth. If you don't believe that, go out there and try and exist in the ocean. There's not enough air, and your skin rots off in about a day, and it gets worse from there. And then the fish eat you. What about, is there a realm for the fish? There's a realm for the fish, right? The sea, you can come this far and no further. You get to the beach, fish gets out on the beach. It's all she wrote, right? A day, maybe, if it's a really stout fish, like a catfish or something, or a turtle. Man doesn't exist in the sea. Man doesn't exist in the outer space. He doesn't do well there. He needs oxygen. He needs heat. The angels have a realm as well. And it's the realm that God assigns them this far and no further. The only time the angel is allowed to do things on the earth is when God sends them. That's what the word angel means, sent one. God sends them, hey, go tell uh, Lenin he needs the gospel, that he's lost. And a messenger comes, however he comes, 
in an angelic form or in a human form or however he comes, and he gives the message, right? All through the Bible, that's how the angel does. He comes down, he gives the message. He goes back. He doesn't stay down there. These angels in the Old Testament, these are the fallen ones, and they see the women, and it says that they take them um, from the sons of men. Takes them. It's not comes down, he's a big, handsome, angelic guy, and he like puts the swerve on old girl there, and then she like goes with him, they go get married. He takes them, as in rape and pillage, as in I'm taking you, and they go. In time, what happened, it appears, is that it, it says that these men, what is the word, splendid, that they were splendid. So these men of renown that came from this, this crossing of the supernatural and the natural, that these men were spectacular. Sorry, that's the word. They were spectacular. When you see a spectacular man today, they're generally playing pro football. Maybe that's the only angels with men now or whatever is pro football players. But, I mean, for the rest of us, we're pretty average. We're average in size. I may look tall or Zach Miller looks tall. But you go stand by a pro football player, 6'9". One guy was 7 foot, um, 340. 7 foot, 340. That's spectacular. That is enormous. That's a big man. Let me ask you this. Would women be attracted to spectacular men? Of course they would. Are women today attracted to spectacular men? Of course they are. Maybe not you. Luckily, our wives were not, you know, attracted to spectacular men, and it gave us the opportunity for marriage. Thank you, Lord. Maybe our wives just have poor vision. I don't know. But the point is, is that uh, these, it's just a part of, of what was going on there, but don't think that it only occurred then. It still goes on today. Women leave their proper realm. Is what happened. The angels left their proper realm. In Jesus' day, women left their proper realm. I was kind of looking at that, and I noticed that with them, that there was a number of women that Jesus served, and if you notice, you don't see husbands mentioned with any of them. You ever notice that? Go back and look at all the women that Jesus de deals with, and there's no husbands. The Samaritan woman, five husbands, right? And on her six or X number, not one that she's not married to, right? The, the, the one that he calls the dog, the Syrophoenician woman, her daughter, no husband mentioned. Um, there's another one. Give me another one. The woman caught in adultery. We don't see, we see this flawed system where there's been breakdown in culture, just like in the days of Noah. Mary and Martha, Mary Magdalene, these people are disconnected from the, from the uh, ordination that God gave for a man to take a woman, leave his father and mother, and cleave to his wife. And if you don't believe that's happening today, I can assure you that it's very difficult for women to find husbands in this day. Very difficult. And I'm not just talking about experience with my own daughters. I'm telling you, in general, there's websites. One's called Being a Better Bachelor. And all it is is about guys saying women are too difficult to deal with. We're not marrying them. And then there's other ones where it's just oriented to, oriented to women where the whole thing is you don't need men. Okay, so women don't need men and men don't need women. Uh, you're going to have some problems down the road with population. But the reason we don't is because women will give up the natural thing that they're supposed to be doing that we see there in Romans chapter 1. 
And they will have children with men that are not the father in the home. And it leaves a train wreck. And you can see that in any culture as it degrades. You can see it in South America in a huge... These men that have multiple women in multiple places, multiple children with multiple women, and no one's attached, and it lets, leads to economic ruin and um, social ruin and so on. Just like in the days of Noah. I'm not beating up women. Men are just as guilty in this, in this thing as, as the women are. I'm just saying, this is what the last days look like. This is what it looks like. The culture falls apart. People leave their natural place, and they do unnatural things. Another thing that was going on here, which we've talked about before, is we have this line of Nephilim that come down and intermix with the blood of man. And what they're trying to do is mar the line going to Christ. It says that Noah was the only man righteous in his generations or perfect in his generations. In other words, there's no Nephilim blood in Noah. And he's it. It's somehow tainted. It's gotten across the board here where it would be much more likely to have someone that was connected with the Nephilim in their bloodline than to not be. We did, a, Renetta's parents did a, a blood test, a DNA thing, and uh, Renetta's mother is this little short, she's got red hair, and she looks on her DNA thing and it says she's like 5% Nigerian. She's white with red hair. Okay, there's been a something somewhere that's caught over into that line, right? It's not always been white people with white people with white people with white people with somewhere a Nigerian got in there, right? And it's the same thing here. The bloodline is not the same as coming down um, to Noah. Very few left of this pure bloodline, but we know, we talked about it last week, in the lineage of Christ that his bloodline is pure from Adam all the way to Mary because God destroys this corrupt bloodline right here it's a big deal so um one question is do women have children outside of the bounds of marriage today yes just like in the days of noah do they choose men that are spectacular yes if they have that option they do in order to have spectacular children which is what they were having they're given these superhero children here i mean if you're going to produce a kid that can fly jump over buildings and stuff yeah i'll take that guy i want some kids like that and it says that, it, but it, in, in the same thing, like I said, was going on in, in Christ's day, children without their natural fathers in their homes, high rates of single mothers, women who attach themselves to any man who will care for them. Has this ever happened before? Why, yes, it has. Isaiah 4, verse 1. It says seven women will grab onto a single man and say, I'll pay my own way if you'll just let me be called by your name. Because it's in our spirit, it's in our DNA. God created us as man and woman. He created a woman to be attached to a man in marriage for him to be her protector, for her to be his helpmeet, for her to have respect, for him to have care, for them to love one another, for them to have children together, for them to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord so that their children could become ministers of the gospel and marry other children that are ministers of the gospel. And the line continues just like that. That's how it's supposed to be. But as the worlds get corrupted, it leads, it ends. And before long, we have what's going on today. We're just starting to see the signs of this. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You can believe me or not. You think I'm crazy. But I'm telling you that it is a big deal now for women to worry more about their career than about having a husband. And then they have their first kid at age 40. They have one. They spoil the thing to death, and it's a train wreck. 
And that's the end of the line of that person. And it's very common in our culture, but it's not just in our culture. And not only that, but divorce, the rampant divorce throughout the United States. You've got to pray for your children. So women gave up their rightful realm in Sodom's day, in Jesus' day, in Noah's day, in Isaiah's day, and today. The wicked thoughts. Do men's, it says there that, uh, uh, that every intent of men's hearts, the wickedness of man was great on the earth, 6 verse 5 of Genesis, and that every intent of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continuously. Is that true today? If we look at the culture today, is that true today? Uh, this missionary from uh, an American missionary to Peru apparently was stabbed to death. They were trying to raise money to build a refuge for a, a church of some sort there, and Joel sent me that. That happened yesterday. Is that wickedness? 30 people per weekend are shot. About 15 per weekend are killed in Chicago every weekend, every weekend. Is that wickedness? Is that intentions of man's heart evil? Some two boys broke into a house. One was 12, one was 14. They had a gun, they had drugs, and um, they were stopped before they could do anything. They're going there to murder the people and just take their stuff, 12 and 14 years old. Is that every intent of a man's heart wickedness continually? What happened? The culture fell apart. The people were all looking to the east. They are all going towards the east. But those things are happening today. Those are happening here. It's a tragedy. Does lawlessness abound today? Yeah, look at our elections. You vote. You just keep counting the votes until you get the winner you want. You go, to whatever, you go to whatever city. You do whatever you want. You take whatever you want. You get rid of the police. You burn down buildings. You have riots. Is lawlessness abounding? Yes, it's abounding. Do, are we in a, a cocoon here in Crossville? Yes, we are. God, man, thank God. But men's heart in general is to do wickedness all the time. Is, is a time of lovelessness on us now? Because it says that men will be without love in those days. Is that on us today? Yes, it's on us today. Go drive on the road and you will see. As the cars, <laughs> man, you can't even pull out and somebody's hammering the horn and flipping you off and talking about your mama. They don't even know my mama. And they're talking. <laughs> it's bad. We're in a bad time. We're in a day just like the days of Noah. But we're likely unaware of it. Is there false doctrines taught today? I'm going to read you Matthew 10, uh, 24, 10. And our dear friend Aubrey read it this morning. You did a great job, Aubrey. I'm just going to start at verse 10. <clears throat> They're going to deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. Many will be offended, and they'll betray one another. They will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Why is the love going to grow? It's talking about you. Do you have a love for a person that could come in and stab your wife to death when you're on the mission field? Could you still love the people that did that? Because of that lawlessness, it would harm your ability to love those. We have this tendency, I mean, I've, I've seen it, I, I don't agree with it, but a lot of times people go to the rescue mission and preach down there. They get a good southern gospel free will Baptist guy down there, he just hammers them. He's ruthless on them, telling them what a bunch of sin and low down dirty dogs they are because his love for them has grown cold. He sees them as the problem. Not the fact that they're missing Christ. 
not the fact that there's no hope without Christ. He sees them as the problem. If they don't have Christ. What do you expect from them? Of course they don't. Of course they're not going to live Christ-like. We don't live Christ-like. Why would you expect them to live Christ-like? Their love has grown cold. It's it's a tragedy. Does lawlessness abound? Yes. False doctrines? Yes. What about eating and drinking to excess? Does this happen today? Those things are going to happen. Famines, pestilences. Have we seen any of those? Earthquakes? Have we seen any of those? Men will be eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. The problem is, like the marrying and the giving in the marriage, is it covenantal? Do we accept that God is in the, in the focus of the marriage? Do we, do we go into the marriage? <laughs> I, and this is, I'm going to stand as guilty as anyone. And we've talked about this before. When we, when we, I was looking at the Old Testament. When they name their kids, they're like, I wonder what God would want me to name this kid. I'll name him... When he dies, it will come. That's what Methuselah means, right? I mean, he's like listening for God's voice. We name our kid like Frank. You know, <laughs> like we didn't listen for God's voice. Like, what should I name him? We don't go into marriage like, man, I wonder if this woman's heart is right before the Lord. Man, we're fixing to make a covenant before God. And I fear God. I hope she fears God because it would be bad if we goof this up because we stand before God in covenant. Men don't fear God. Why invoke his name in the covenant of marriage if you don't fear him? Why would you expect his blessing on your home if you don't fear him? Just like in the days of Noah, just like in the days of Christ, just like today. I pray that you would go and read those, uh, Matthew 24 and, and 25 this week, those, those, uh, <clears throat> just those messages there of him where he's kind of preparing his men for his leaving. And this is the big idea of the days of Noah and the days of Christ and the days of today. Genesis 7, 1 says, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and your household, because I have seen that you are a righteous man before me in this generation. And he tells them, take two of this and seven of those and bring your kids with you, right? Matthew 26, 1 says, when it came to pass, uh, it, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover, and he begins to tell them to prepare the Passover, Genesis 7, 4 says, after seven more days, I'll cause it to rain on the earth. You know what's significant about those? It's not just the numbers, two days, seven days, or anything. It's God's patience and his long-suffering towards men. So Noah's working, Noah has the word from God to prepare this ark in the next 120 years. A man named Methuselah is named Methuselah. When he dies, it will come. And so he dies... But it's five years later that the flood comes. He doesn't die and the flood, you know, washes him away. He dies five years later, the flood. You can do it by adding up the dates and ages and all that stuff. You can figure out when he died, when the date of the flood was. Then he takes Jesus on the earth for 33 years and he warns the people. Two days comes the Passover. They're going to kill me. And from the day of the Passover, this is interesting, from the day that Jesus is raised from the dead, you know who he never talks to again? The Pharisees. You never see a scripture in the Bible of Jesus talking to the Pharisees after he's raised again. He only talks to his people. There comes a day when the door is closed. But God is, man, he's so long-suffering. It's actually 45 years after Jesus lives, more or less, that Jerusalem is taken away from him. 
It's 120 years from, for Noah to preach the word. 120 years. And even then, he goes into the ark, and it's seven more days. It's seven more days. You got seven more days. Every time I go on a mission trip, Jed, this is what I do. I'm a lazy loser. And I wait till the day, the night before or the morning of, and I start digging and finding the backpack and the, you know, the rain jacket and start putting it in the bag. And just, we wait till the, it's what we do. We wait till the last second, but I'm telling you the last second is now. The preparation for the last second is now. It was actually seven days ago or what year? 2000. It was back then, but if, like George Washington said, what's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? What's the second best time? Today. Plant it now. Today is the day of your salvation. Today. Because if we wait, it says that his return will be swift. We don't know when it comes. It's fast. And it happens. Jesus' disciples were very doubtful as to whether or not he was even the Messiah. John asks, is this the one? We wait for another one? What's, what's the deal? Jesus sends him back. I mean... This is the most righteous prophet that ever lived. All other prophets wish they could be John. And John asked that question, is this the one? Is in your heart, do you still wonder, is, is my Christianity, I mean, because nothing's changed, it's been 2,000 years. He told me that he's going to return, but he's not here. If we look at this time that we live in right now, the earth is definitely being shaken. Our country's being shaken. If you can't see that our country's being shaken, then uh, allow me to tell you now that it is. It's in bad shape. Are earthquakes on the increase? Yes. Storms? Yes. Cold? Yes. Hot? Yes. Are people getting married, giving in marriage? Are people living in sin with one another outside the bounds of marriage? Yes. Are women having children with men that aren't their husband? Yes. Are people eating and drinking to, to gluttonous voraciousness? Yes. Do, do things that the church once thought was wicked, is it common now in the church? Yes. So uh, your redemption draweth nigh. You better be looking up. Because it's just like the days of Noah. You know, what is, you know this was uh, when I discovered this, and it, it just thrilled my heart. I hope this helps you right here, what I'm about to tell you. You know what inv Noah invited all those who would hear? You know what he was inviting them into? What was he inviting them into? In the ark, right? What was he, in, he was inviting them into like a coffin. He was inviting them into a, a church, into a place of refuge. Right? And it says that when he built the ark, God told him to take something and put it on the inside and outside. You remember what it was called? Pitch. The word pitch, crazy word, means atonement. He painted the inside of the ark and the outside of the ark with atonement atonement they were sealed in there in atonement if you're outside the ark you're in judgment if you're inside the ark you're in atonement you're covered there's another ark the ark of the covenant and the blood was splattered on it for atonement and the things that were inside the ark was protected from the blood and there's one last ark the cross and it was the blood of atonement Leviticus 17 11 for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I've given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls for it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul the ark of the Noah the ark of the covenant was covered with atonement there was wicked sinners inside the ark but they were covered by the atonement so you friend 
have the opportunity to do the same thing, be a wicked sinner and be covered by atonement. The blood of Christ on the cross was the final atonement needed for any who would come. Those Pharisees had every opportunity to be covered by the blood, but they chose instead to go their own way. He told them, two more days, it's the Passover. He told them. He told all those parables to him, and he goes, two more days till the Passover. Seven more days, Noah's going in the ark. Two more days to the Passover, you're not going to get to hear my voice anymore. You won't be able to find me. There will come a day when a man that's running from God will no longer be able to find him. It was so terrible. I read that in, in Luke 23, uh, 48. Those people, they're sitting at the foot of the cross. They know exactly what they've done. They've killed the very Messiah of God, and they've sat there and watched it, and it says that they gnashed their teeth and they beat their breast at the sight, and it says they returned. Oh, man, we just killed the Son of God. Dang it. And then they went back. What did they return to? They returned to the world to go do their thing, to go live their life to their godless ways. And they thought no more about their guilt or the fact that the blood that was shed on Calvary on that day was for them. It's a tragedy. And we do the same thing. We get the warnings and we see the world falling apart just as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. There's going to be a moment too long waited for. There's going to be a, a one last breath that won't be there. And those people can cling to the outside of the ark and cling to the outside of the atonement, but that's not good enough. You've got to be under the atonement. You've got to be in, in the atonement. You've got to be under the cross. You've got to be under the blood. You can't be outside the blood. I can't just know about who Christ is. I was reading that in Luke. Man, I read Luke. It's like I never read the book before. I'm reading that in Luke, and, and Jesus is so gentle and kind and long-suffering answers their questions and these people knew all about who jesus was but they didn't know who he is somehow and i saw that you can be a really good person and not know christ you can have all your jazz together you can have you can look great on sunday you can be the greatest and not know christ and not be under the atonement not be covered by the pitch so you're going to live like the that day of noah's day where those people came and they saw the ark and it was just an oddity that was parked out in the field. Or are you going to get inside? So we have the opportunity. I just saw that with those Pharisees, that they had the opportunity right there with them. And they agreed 97% with them. But when it came down to killing time, they were going to kill them. Because it hurt their feelings that there was one greater than them on the earth. I pray that today, if you heard this message... I pray that you see that there is a short window of opportunity to get into the ark, to get under the blood. Many people think they're under the blood, but there's no fruit in their life, and it makes me wonder, do they know Christ? The demonstration of a believer in Christ is there should be some abundant fruit. There should be some fruit. There should be something. One shriveled up, great, something. But there's nothing. Their whole life is oriented towards them, just like in the days of Noah, just like in the days of Sodom, just like in the days of Christ, so is the day to day. And he's coming at any moment, and I want you to be ready. I wanted us to have a, a bit of an altar call this morning, and I want to make room for you to come. And, and there's two things I want you to be in prayer about this morning. This is the first thing. If you don't know Christ, 
or you think you know Christ, or you think you know something about Christ, but you don't have that assurance of salvation that you're covered with the atoning blood of Christ, today is your last hope. Because you don't know what tomorrow is. You don't know if you're going to make it out of this building. You're hoping you will, but you don't know. So make today the day of your salvation. It's a simple thing. It's turning your life over to him, repenting of the way that you've lived completely counter to his will. He doesn't ask that much of you. He asks you to come to him. He asks you to repent of living in your own strength and to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your creator God who made you and loves you. And he asks you to come today. And the other thing is, is if you're living as the world lives, if you're marrying, giving in marriage, marriage, your marriage vows mean nothing to you, you're eating and drinking like the world does, you're working like the world does, you're watching the same thing the world watches, you're filling your mind with the same thing the world does, then be very, very, very careful because there's going to come a day when you're going to stand before the judge and it's going to be touch and go right there because if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And that ain't keeping his commandments. I'm not saying keep the law. I'm saying keep his commandments, commandments of Christ. I got a song for us to play. I want to just bow your head right there. I'm going to ask you to come and pray. Um, repent and be saved. I'll talk to you about that if you want to talk about salvation, but just come up here and, and let's, get this, let's get this right. Let's make sure that we are, as we're still outside the ark, as we're still ministering the gospel of people, Let's, let's pray that we have boldness and endurance to share the gospel with others as we go and do the work of the, of the ministry of God, okay? If you're not saved, today is the day. If you are saved, come and, and uh, reorient yourself, okay? Let's hear this song and uh, let's pray together.
Father, this morning we want to pray and thank you for your, for your love for us, your long-suffering. You waited. You waited 120 years before you destroyed the thing that the man thought he couldn't live without, that world. You waited another 70 years before, the, before destroying the thing that the Jews thought they couldn't live without, which was the temple. Lord, you're waiting now before you destroy the things that we think is so important, the things of this earth that we've grown attached to. And Lord, we ask for your mercy in that. We, we, we come as humbly as we know how before you and ask for your mercy and your care, your love for us. And we thank you for your long-suffering. Lord, I pray for these young people today, Lord, as they're in this world of just terrible wickedness, that you would protect their spirits. I pray for the men of this room, that every one of them would, would be better husbands, better fathers to their wives, better leaders in their homes, better, more dedicated people in their spirit to study your word daily to know your word, to make time for your word above all else. To make time for prayer above all else. And then they can fix all the rest of what's going on in their life. Father, I, I pray for the women of this fellowship, Lord, as they, as their mothers and, and housekeepers and homemakers and children, caretakers and, and husband lovers, Lord, that their spirit would be correct before you, Lord in their work, that they wouldn't be tempted by anything other than your word and a desire to serve you, Lord. That there wouldn't be another temptation or a, or a thing from some kind of internet you know, stimulus that would draw them away from you in any way, Lord, but that they would, be, they would reject those things of the world and they would come to you, Lord. I'm so grateful for this fellowship now, Lord. Pray for these children, for their protection. Lord, I pray for their spouses, that there would be other churches and other places preparing young men and women as spouses for our young people and that their hearts would be godly and they would desire to serve you and that we could see this go on generationally that we could see the work of plant grow harvest the work of the holy spirit in them that it would continue on past just this generation that's here today grateful for those that are working today that are helping to care for us and serve us food and prepare food and serve the children and and teach the children lord we're grateful for your word that was spoken, Lord. I pray it was the word that you had for us today, that it would sink into our hearts, Lord, and, would, and we'd commit it to, to your service, and we would apply it to our lives as we apply it to give it to others, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us, your care for us, and your long-suffering towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll be glad to talk to anyone who wants to come. Um, if you want to uh, talk.